0: One key thing of advice I would probably say, maybe you should just edit this out and put it in the very front, is find someone in your industry that is more established and ask them questions and befriend them and get to know them because you're going to learn way more than any book is ever going to tell you. You're like, it's you got to do that. You got to do that. And having those friends too, they can refer you to other clients so they can help you out and so that that's been a big help too this is travis knight and welcome to renaissance life
1: hello welcome to the renaissance life podcast dedicated to the pursuit of creativity mastery and a meaningful life i am your podcaster in crime josh wagner happy to be here today So, it's been a hot second since I've posted something on this podcast. There's a lot I want to go into, but I'm going to save that for a future episode focusing on goals for the Renaissance life. But this episode is an interview with Travis Knight. He is an illustrator and artist from Chattanooga, Tennessee with background in graphic design and web design. His clients include netflix target washington post etc etc i had a blast talking to travis we go into freelance we go into illustration and being an artist and being a creative in general and also the business side of things so even if you don't consider yourself an illustrator i feel like this is a good conversation across the board one quick technical note something went wrong with my mic I think I believe it was the cable and I've replaced it. But I have had a backup where I recorded the the entire room as well as Travis's mic and my mic. So, I'm going to sound a little weird. Travis is going to sound fantastic and buttery smooth. Uh so bear with that. It's not too bad. I've edited the heck gosh darn out of it. So, Hopefully, it is more than bearable. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to sound weird. Travis sound great. That's all I'm going to say. But, definitely worth a listen. Last thing, if you want to support the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. The thing that every podcaster says. <laughs> but, it would be super helpful. And lastly... If you go to renaissancelife.com slash newsletters, subscribe to some of my newsletters to stay up to date with what's going on and yeah. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. Travis, welcome to the Renaissance. Here at last. Could you give us a brief introduction might not be familiar with you or your work?
0: Yeah, so I'm, yeah, Travis Knight. I'm an illustrator and graphic designer. I live here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm really into, like, movies and horror movies, sci-fi movies, stuff like that. A lot of people know my work from, like, I've got, kind of have this, like, red and blue anaglyph style that I think a lot of people are familiar with. It's usually, like, you know, a person's face and then that person's skull underneath it. (laughs) It's too, like, kind of a two-step process. I'm also like the creative director for the Chattanooga Film Fest, so I do a lot of like graphic design for them, which is always super fun. Yeah, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. I, I love
1: that style that you're talking about. Mm-hmm.
0: I call it anaglyph, and anaglyph. what anaglyph is is like it, it's an old way of reproducing 3D images. So basically you have a red screen and then you have a blue screen, and they're just faintly off register. So like they're a little bit separated. And then when you put your red and blue glasses on, your brain tries to make up the image. And then you get this 3D effect on that. I typically use it. I'm not like straight anaglyph. I just call it anaglyph because I don't have a good name for it. But I use that to say the red layer is one meaning and then the blue layer is another meaning. And so they go together. It's like this kind of duality thing that I like to mess around with and sometimes like I guess would you call it a triality method because sometimes what I'll then do because I'm a little crazy I like to redraw the whole thing in a different style and then place it over the anaglyph part and then erase part so you get another layer of meaning to the illustration it's kind of hard to talk about Visual art in <laughs> a you know it's like really hard you know but verbally.
1: It's yeah yeah it's
0: like I really can't and there's so many times things it's like you really got to train yourself as like a visual artist sometimes is to talk about your work which is something I'm really bad at doing and I've talked to so many artists before who obviously have the explanation for their work and their life and everything in this like perfect paragraph that they have studied and prepared and they're ready to like that's the sound bite cut, yeah. you know. <laughs> I have not advanced or have been that smart to come up with that. I
1: love the, uh, what would you call it, like, atomical nature of it? Yeah, yeah, like for sure.
0: The, the bones. bones yeah, 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 I really like that. I've, I've gotten, a friend of mine's a chiropractor, and he was, he's always like, there's not that many bones in the <laughs> neck, or people have more ribs, and I'm just like, you don't try to re- rebuild a person using one of my drawings, like, you're going to have parts left out, but uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I enjoy that. I really enjoy that. Uh, I recently awesome. bought one
1: of your pieces for my fiance's uh, oh, that's right. My yeah. favorite murder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your favorite horror movies. Oh man.
0: That's so hard to do because I feel like my favorite horror movies and movies in general are seasonal to me, and I don't mean yearly seasonal. It's just sort of like the season of my life. Where am I at yeah. in my life? You know? To, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like how do I how do I feel about it? I'm a huge fan of, I mean, there's certain horror movies that I go back to, sort of like a warm blanket. I think John Carpenter's The Thing is like one of my all-time favorite warm blanket (laughs) movies. (laughs) I feel the same way about Alien. So I guess more sci-fi horror films like that. I love Hellraiser. It's one of those movies that I enjoyed as a kid, but then I fell in love with in my late 20s for some reason. I was just like, this movie is amazing. Definitely that first one. Is good and the second one's really good too. And if you like those, Nightbreed, I would definitely uh, s- suggest that. It's another Clive Barker movie, but man, it's good too. The Nightbreed's one of those awesome movies where it's like the monster is the people, which is the Guillermo. De- Guillermo del Toro kind of vibe where it's the people are the worst thing and the monster is just this poor <laughs> brought upon creature which I, I really love.
1: I have a ton of questions for you but I'd love to start with your creative process. What is your current practice? like?
0: Well I mean if we're talking about like a job that I get there's the process of sort of doing some research you know if I'm going to do an illustration for someone and then there's like a whole bunch of panicking and self-doubt and anger and frustration And then I just kind of wind up doing, doing the work. That's sort of my process. But I mean, it kind of depends on my daily creative process. Like what I really love to do is I, I guard my mornings a little bit. And I just over the past year, I've gotten into journaling, which I've never done before. I'm not a writer and it's always been like very intimidating to write anything for me. I don't even like writing grocery lists. But just because I'm terrible, I'm dyslexic, so I have this, I can't spell. So it's getting over this hump and stuff, and it's been super fun practice. But so I'll, like, journal for a little bit. I'll make my list for the day of everything I need to get done. And then I'll do a little bit of free drawing in the morning, which is I just have, like, my own little pad. Like, it's a sketchbook that is not supposed to see the light of day. The pages are not, I'm not working on anything. I'm just feeling the pencil and sketching because I do so much stuff digitally now on the iPad or on a Wacom tablet and there's something about just feeling the physical grit of the paper and still getting to use pencils and that kind of stuff that gets the gears going and it breaks the ice a little bit and gets my hands loosened up and so I really
1: enjoy that yeah yeah the tactile yeah, feature,
0: yeah. oh yeah it's it's hard to beat it's hard yeah. to beat
1: what got you into journaling
0: Man, last year was kind of crazy. I mean, you know, the past few years have been sort of crazy. You know, we had some family trauma. We, had, we lost my mother-in-law and it, it was tough. And then it was just a tough period. And we had a couple of friends pass away and that was like December, you know, <laughs> and it was like all of that. And so I had all of this kind of crazy stuff going on and floating through my head. And I was like, I need to have some space to start writing it down. And It's been been pretty cool. and Sometimes it's just sort of writing a list of, did I exercise today? Did I do this? Did I do that? What did I eat last night? Did I drink too much last night? Did I, like, these kind of things and just whatever I'm thinking. But it's not one of those, like, I always thought in movies, journaling is these profound prose, you know? And it's, like, growing up, it's, oh, they're writing a journal. It's this profound, you know, because usually they're using it as a movie. It's like exposition to tell you how the character's feeling because they're not putting it at any other place in the movie so anyway I was just like well I can't really do I can't get into all that that's just too intimidating and, and so I'm just like writing lists so that's
1: great. Yeah, yeah it's
0: pretty cool and I've kept it going pretty consistently which is nice I'm really
1: so yeah yeah
0: I definitely try to do it every day yeah it's fun
1: that's awesome. Yeah. so uh, w- along with your creative practice mm-hmm. so you have this p- uh, sketchbook that you so yeah where where do your ideas come from what inspires you to
0: yeah that's a good yeah that's a good question I mean again it kind of depends on what I'm what I'm working on but a lot of my work really comes from I'm obsessed with like vintage comic books and advertising advertisements from the 50s and 60s, typically illustrated. I love some of the, what I call lowbrow graphic design from the back of a penny saver book or like back of catalogs or uh, comic books, like in back in the day. Or you get like an old comic, you open up to the back and there's three or four pages of crammed, packed of just illustrations trying to get you to get at home accordion lessons or build this rocket or that kind of stuff just blows my mind. I love it. It's like afterthought design where it's some of those ads you can tell are obviously generated last minute because they sold it, they sold the ad. And so it's got to get in the back of Captain America. So I, I love that kind of stuff. Like pulp horror movies or pulp horror novels, book covers and stuff like that. It's just. That stuff is very inspiring to me. Are there any
1: illustrators in
0: particular that inspire you? Oh, man. I mean, always when I get asked this, and it's such like a noob answer, but Jack Kirby is one of my favorites. He's one of the best. Bernie Wrightson is one of my favorites. There's so many illustrators that I love that I don't draw anything like them, but it's kind of great. I think you should always be looking at people that... You know that you're nothing like. Jack Kirby's work though there's so much movement in every panel like every, nobody's standing still in his work ever and if they are they, they somehow don't look like they are and like his just his art direction to you know, the way he would draw the cities and these crazy far out places and like his work was just so amazing and just the ink strokes this just yeah I can't talk about it. Enough, you know, and Bernie Wrightson. I don't know if you know Bernie Wrightson. Bernie Wrightson is you got to look him up, he's one of my favorites. He was one of the, I believe it was one of the creators of Swamp Thing, I want to say, but he definitely drew Swamp Thing a lot. And he got one of his most famous works is he did a illustrated Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and he has a style that is very reminiscent of like, late 1800s etching, but in a modern modern poses, modern scenarios. Like, his zombie drawings, holy shit, I, it's just, like, unbelievable. He passed away a few years ago, but I met him at uh, Dragon Con, like, ages ago. And I was, he would do these like sketchbook reviews and I was like so intimidated by it. And it was like a living legend to me, but I got him to sign my sketchbook, which was super awkward. And Did you yeah. Do the review? Yeah. He was like, this is good stuff. And that was his review. He's work on your hands, work on this stuff. But, but he was a super cool guy. That's
1: awesome.
0: Yeah. He was holding two hot dogs. I remember he was coming back from lunch and he had two hot dogs. I was like, Joker. And I was like, Bernie writes and eats hot dogs. I eat hot dogs. Maybe I can be like him.
1: But. For the hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if there's any things or ideas or practices that have improved your drawing over the years.
0: Yeah, I think drawing, anything creative, it's like going to the gym. Like, you're not going to get big, swole muscles without going to the gym every day. And I think like drawing every day is important and it doesn't have to be good and it doesn't have to be something you're gonna show anybody, but that is probably the number one thing. I can't really, definitely like looking at new work is always awesome and keeping your mind open and checking things out and trying to do it in a non-cynical way, which is important. But I think just working on a daily practice like years ago i think it was like 2015 was the year that i did it sounds so freaking long ago now but which it was but i did a whole thing where it was called your daily creep and i drew a little six by six card a little six by six card and i draw a monster on it every day for a year and that was crazy because every one of them it would be 35 to 45 minutes and there'd be like watercolor involved and all this kind of crazy stuff and at the end of that year, I got to have a big art show at AVO, which was really fun. And But that was one of those things where it was just like, if I draw every day, like day, I'm going to get better or not. Who knows? But it's just the practice of, of getting your, your mind ready to do that stuff. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think that's something you mentioned earlier. The, it doesn't have to be good. Yeah. I mean, it helps a lot with staring at a blank like page. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. It doesn't have to be good. Like that's, I think that's the main thing. Especially with fibs and stuff and people trying to get their stuff on Instagram or trying to get likes or trying to do all this stuff. There's, people have, they want their work to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, they're not going to do it. And it's, it will never get perfect if there's not the imperfect ones behind it. What you're seeing a lot of times in, a, in a, an amazing piece of work that you love, it's an illustration or song or whatever you're not saying like the pile of garbage that it's sitting (laughs) on top of that's the thing it's you have to work I heard a thing that Ira Glass said one time where he was talking about you're gonna make a lot of crap before you make the stuff that's good and but you have to trust your instinct because like your instinct is telling you what you just made isn't good but your instinct should also be what's driving you to make the thing that's good. If you were truly a terrible artist, you wouldn't think any of your stuff was bad. You would think it was all amazing <laughs> and genius. Yeah. And yeah. so you share it all and it's just, you need to have that, like, that, that, that critic that's there cause that's the guy that's gonna get you to the next phase. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Tell me a little bit about the creeps challenge. Yeah. Uh, How did you fit that
0: in your day? Man, I would do it like when I got home from work. So I would just, it would be like kind of right before dinner or like right after dinner. And I would just have my little pad and then I would just knock them out and just file them away. And yeah, that was basically, I mean, you just set aside like 45 minutes. We burn time just scrolling through our phones. Like you are just flipping through the TV to try to find something to watch. That's good drawing time. That's really good. You could be making something. Even if you only make one eighth of something, you've made one eighth of something. And if you do it again the next day and the next day and the next day, like you've made this big thing. I'm
1: trying to think of how you, the process of doing Creating these every day. Did you have any setbacks that happened throughout?
0: Or? I think there'd probably be a couple of times where I was like, would go out for drinks after work or something, and then and it'd be like 11 o'clock, yeah. and I'm like, oh no, I got <laughs> didn't draw a creep, and I would draw it. Oh, so I would yeah. have to do it like at the bar drawing the creep. That just just happened a I couple of it, times, but
1: yeah, I found, I find it helpful yeah. with daily practices to keep track of how many days. Yeah, and yeah. Like, that streak right you know, yeah I've done 30 creeps yeah yeah maybe I can take the day off no. oh, but the thir- I don't lose you got to keep
0: going And at the time I was like I shared all of them on Instagram because I was just this is just going to be my Instagram project and so it was like the posting of them kept me kept me engaged I was okay I got to if I don't because the number one question the which is so funny no one was like Oh wow, this is an impressive feat. Or the, wow, look at all these illustrations. The first thing anyone would say is, Did you miss a day? <laughs> and I'm like, Hell no, I didn't, because I'm a professional at drawing these creeps. But it did irritate my wife a little bit at the time. But she's like, Oh my God, you gotta do, why don't you just help me with the damn laundry? You gotta draw these creeps, which is a fair point, and probably the reason that. Your daily creep hasn't come back. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't deal with this again.
1: I bet mean, at the end, the, like, the art show was amazing
0: to see. It was pretty wild. And I sold them. I sold all of them, which is, not all of them. I sold a good chunk of them, which was pretty amazing. And to, I think that was kind of like the first time I made money on art. Not on a design project, but on art. And I felt on top of the world. And like I had friends come in from out of town. They surprised me. It was such an amazing experience. And I was like, man, I'm on top of the world. I can do anything. i was so excited. And then a tree fell on my house the next day. No joke, a massive white oak fell on my house, took out part of my deck, I had friends over, and it was just, oh wait, maybe I just need to humble myself a little bit. I don't really believe in that kind of stuff, but I was like, no geez, maybe I need to. You're not too good to have a house or a tree fall on your damn house. Take that big shot. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty comical how... The
1: timing is
0: Yeah, yeah, I was on top of everything. I was like, this is amazing. And then, what? This is crazy.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah. What are some, what's the weirdest thing you put
0: your art on? Oh man, what is the weirdest thing? I can tell you one thing, I've been trying to get my art on and we try every year is we wanna make a Chattanooga Film Fest barf bags. So like back in the day, like in the cinemas would have barf bags for like scary movies. It's so frightening, you're gonna lose your lunch or whatever, these exploitation theaters would do it. And it was mainly, it's a gag of, oh man, if there's barf bags, this thing's gonna be terrifying or gross. So we've been wanting to do that. I'm trying to think if there's anything I don't know. I feel like there's something that's probably going to hit me after this.
1: Let me rephrase that. What's the weirdest thing you've drawn?
0: <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think if my mom's going to listen to this. I don't know. There's some weird things. Oh Boy, that's a hard question. I've drawn a lot of weird things. I've drawn, like, so many weird things I don't think that I can... Like, weird things that I've published and drawn? I don't really know. I don't know. There's a lot of things with tentacles... That's a hard question. That's a super hard question.
1: We'll
0: leave it. Yeah, yeah. That's hard-hitting journalism. But I also think, to me, it's like there's probably things that I've drawn that I've gotten that have freaked some people out and not me. Yeah, so I don't know. Who knows?
1: You talked about friends surprising you when you put on a show for groups. I'm curious, when you go about creating things, how are you building or cultivating a thriving community of people of creatives uh, around you
0: that's a good question I think most of it has been just through Instagram like I which is the platform has changed so much over the years and I always enjoyed it because it was like this is a place where I could just post images and it was a nice place to where like you're in front of other artists, but then you're also in front of artist fans, people that like art and like certain things. And I think to me, it's like just cultivating. I don't, wouldn't say I really cultivate it as much as I just try to be as open with my process, my creativity. I try to like answer questions, talk to people. I don't, wouldn't really say that I have like a bunch of creative I have a lot of, I have a rich computer life with all of my Instagram buddies, which are all over the place, that are doing stuff that's similar to me, which is nice. But yeah, I think most of it is just try to make it as organic as possible. And as far as cultivating an audience, that, that too is the same thing, where I just try to do things that I'm interested in and hope that other people are interested too, and try to not play to the gallery as as they say which I think is very important because I think once you start doing that then your work gets flat there's no way to you get in a feedback loop and everything just falls apart I think you lose the sense of why you're doing it no yeah definitely and I think to me a big part of what I love about making art is about following things that I'm curious about and I think that's where like good creativity comes from is like indulging your curiosities, going after things, whether it be line or something that gets your attention in a painting or a cu- swath of color or dinner, a good dinner, like whatever, like you should go after that stuff if it makes you curious. If it's finding the skulls out in the woods, bringing them home, do it, indulge your curiosities. So I think you just try to do that organically.
1: It, it kind of leads to this. What do you think makes a great illustration if
0: you break it down. I think illustration thing because for one, it has to communicate typically an idea or narrative or story, and you have to do it in one shot and I think a great illustration sets the tone of what it's supposed to be about if it's about an if it's an article, what can you strike a tone that's the same as the article you don't want to do. An illustration for an article about financial planning and then your illustration is like dark and dun- so you there's those kind of things like where you're trying to communicate an idea that's usually paired with something else and I think that doing that in a way that's I think ma- making a good Ill- illustration first of all has to do that it has to communicate what's about to happen I think about another one of my favorite illustrators is Drew Struzen. Who is the? Uh, I mean, he was like the quintessential movie poster illustrator. He did like all the Indiana Jones movie posters. He did okay. the Star Wars. He did on you know, Lucasfilm things. It was super fan. Tons of all those books that were that came out from Lucasfilm at the time. He was so good. He came up with that whole floating heads movie poster thing. It was around, but he really nailed it. He is like the master of, this is the vibe you're going to get. This is what's going to happen. And when you go to this movie, you're going to feel these things, you know. And That's hard to capture. Yeah, it's, it's hard.
1: Feedback. Yeah, for back sure. Emotion, essentially. That's yeah, and really cool. yeah,
0: anticipation. Especially when you think about, back in the day, there's not a million trailers or teasers for trailers or teasers for teasers of trailers <laughs> like there are now. So it's, okay. you might only have that one illustration it's What the hell is this movie about?
1: I'm one of those people that kind of avoids the trailers. Yeah, yeah. Like the
0: yeah, series. yeah. The posters. Nice. Okay, I can get it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not still on the train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's a Marvel movie, you're like, man, it's got every actor in it.
1: If you have any advice for people who are just starting out in illustration or a creative pursuit?
0: Yeah, I think I think definitely follow what keeps you curious. Look at what's going on in the in the illustration world and then try to forget about it as much as possible. I think doing research on your style is always good. like trying to find your particular voice. I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is like finding their voice. I don't know if I've found it yet. I feel like, but I don't know if you ever really truly find it. I think you just find your niche and then hopefully grow from there. But yeah, and I think like the other thing is listen. If you're gonna do an illustration, listen to what you're being asked to do and ask questions about it and try to get as informed as you can about it. That's really important, They're really important. But like I just, <laughs> just as an anecdote, I just finished a, I just did an illustration for Fangoria Magazine that just came out and it was a really cool full page thing about the Exorcist prequels, which I didn't really know, it was like a total blind spot for me, I had no idea. And it was basically like these two Exorcist prequels Basically, they made one movie. They didn't like it, and so they reshot a whole new movie with the other actors, with some of the same actors, but different actors, and like different. It's very confusing. Neither movie is very good, but the article was really good. So, and it's just a neat little anecdote of like crazy movie making. But but that was one of those things where I had to dig in and be like, what is the what am I playing to, and should I. I've had this epiphany is oh, do I illustrate these two movies that maybe no one else really knows about or do I put in elements of that and then I frame it or have the main centerpoint piece be the demon from Exorcist, so that's what I did. So it's like when you turn the page you're like the Exorcist. And then yeah. you're like, Oh, there's prequels? There's all that stuff. So that's the important thing about like research.
1: Related to that, what as you're doing your research, mm-hmm. what questions do you ask yourself?
0: Sometimes I'll be like, is there like a hanging kind of visual piece to it? Is there something that I can hang my hat on that this is the main thing I'm illustrating? Is it a person? Is it a place? Those kind of questions. Sometimes I think about the style because your style that you illustrate something in is like also going to be. And I try to keep everything congruent with kind of my vibe of my style just has taken a long time to do but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just those are the questions I ask what's it for, who's it for what's the What's it trying to say so that's basically it, Don't and how can that. I do it simply yeah. I think that's the other thing is you want to throw the kitchen sink at a lot of things sometimes but it's not always the best you've got to pull back but,
1: yeah. I would love to talk to you about some freelance questions yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you mostly rely on word of mouth or how do you go about getting clients?
0: It's primarily been like social media, some word of mouth, like referrals have happened a lot, which is cool. And then also just building relationships with either art directors or editors, people like other agencies and just keeping those lines open and kind of touching base every now and then and being like, Hey, what's going on with you guys? And, okay. Social media is like the great place to do that because I always equate it as at least it's so hard now with Instagram changing back and I still do this, but I would always say that Instagram is like being at a big party and like, you could be like, oh man, in that room. Well, I kind of want to talk to them, but I don't, I want it to be natural. I could just go into that room and hang out. Okay. So I'll just follow that person. Maybe they'll follow me back, or maybe I'll like talk, and then, then you make a connection that way. Stalking, keep your distance and don't be Casually. weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> don't be weird and, and genuinely like what they do, yeah. which also makes a huge difference. But yeah,
1: yeah. What are some of the other character traits or habits do you think makes a good freelancer?
0: Oh boy, that's a good question because I don't really, I don't really know what is I mean, definitely staying work organized, staying available to people, like kind of communicating. I find that it being just me is easier to communicate with people and keeping lines open and trying to have a good relationship with people. I think that's like the main thing. I also think like... Yeah, and I think, I think all the books would say you have to be a really good self-starter. You have to be very motivated, you have to be an entrepreneur, you got to hustle and all this stuff, but I don't really, really want to do all that. I just want to, <laughs> yeah, I just want to draw pictures, yeah. Do you
1: have a decision framework for like, when you say yes or no to a project?
0: Yeah, it's developed over the past few years. Like, I, I would take, sometimes I would take these kind of what I like to call draw monkey jobs, which are, I'm a monkey with a pencil and then I know how to use it kind of job. They don't really care about the work that I've done, but they don't care about the style. They'll just be like, can you draw this in this style? And so I would take those kind of jobs. And those were like worse than any nine to five soul sucking jobs because they go on forever because you don't want to start them. You don't want to work on them. You don't want to do the the research. And so it's super, super hard. So... I try to weed those out. You also do a lot of giving prices to people that have inquiries and they don't go for it. So that's another way of weeding out those people. Yeah, so that's my process.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of
0: doing it. Yeah, because sometimes you'll be like, they'll, they'll be like, oh, I want you to illustrate my face for this thing. And I'm like, Well it will be this much? And they're like, oh, I can't, no, I don't want to. And then they wind up going to Fiverr and doing it for 15 bucks. And it's just like a weird vector version and it's just fine for what they want and so it's yeah exactly And it's I don't want to do that that's not what you're coming to me for so I'm trying to weed those jobs out what do you
1: typically do when you're dealing with a bad client And, and take bad for whatever you think that means but
0: I've had sometimes with certain projects like I've had to do like a restart in a way. Not really restart on work, but just reset expectations, that kind of stuff. I've been lucky that I can avoid some of that with just trying to be as prepared up front and trying to scope out like, okay, is this going to work? And sometimes, sometimes I've referred people that I'm like, I know this isn't going to be good for me. I'm going to give them to this person and it's going to be a lot better. Usually up front, I try to be as thorough as possible. and trust my gut about it. That's good. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you
1: have any advice
0: on pricing? Oh, boy. That's tough. Yeah. That is really tough. I know um, a lot of people struggle
1: with
0: that. Yeah. There's, it's tough because I've gotten several books. There's a really good freelancer book right now from the Hood Sisters. Um, yeah, Hood Yeah, I love
1: their brand. Yeah, the
0: it's fonts. so good. They're so good. And their freelancer book, I bought it. And it's probably the best that I have seen about contracts, that kind of, you know, contracts, pricing, just all of all the stuff that you need. It's a really great Kickstarter for all that stuff. Yeah, I definitely they could tell you more than I could because I'm just would just be repeating them. It is tricky if you're doing work I've found in Chattanooga with my skill set. I don't know if it's the same for like developers or designers, but sometimes looking at the national averages and then looking at what you could get in Chattanooga. for the, It's very hard when they say a, a full-page illustration for whatever in New York is like $35,000 or whatever, and you're like, there's no way that could happen in Chattanooga. <laughs> you're not going to get that here. And I think the best thing, especially now that everything is mobile now, is that you should just go after the biggest fish that you can and, and try to do it that way.
1: Yeah, that is something I am fuzzy on because mm-hmm. that's you're really right everything's mm-hmm. like remote but the pricing
0: is still or like the work is still a little bit localized yeah yeah there, for sure that's tricky it is think. yeah yeah and I think there's also like a the value of the work too I think plays plays a part in it we're always struggling to show the value of our work as an illustrator or a designer or whatever and I think that there's like a thought with the general public is that at least with illustration and art and stuff it's like oh you've taken your hobby and now you're getting paid for your hobby and we're going to pay you kind of hobbyist prices and so it's it's trying to get taken seriously to where you can say no this is what it's going to be so it's super tough but i wish i had a great explanation for it i typically with my pricing and stuff i take that kind of stuff into consideration and i think about okay how big is this client what makes sense for them if it's a if it's a beer label and they want uh, you know, they want to pay you 150 bucks and you're like the first day that you release this beer you make that money back in like a second. So you got to think about those types of things like how much mileage is it going to get? Is it going to be like reused and reused? You, know, you plug that into the price.
1: i with like web design, I've found it helpful to compare it to other companies. This is the price that I'm charging you Here's an agency price. Here is what you can get here. And it's almost like references. Yeah, to absolutely. Pay.
0: And you can always say it. the smart folks, they, they will be like, it's this much. But if you don't want to pay this much, then you get this. They're, they right, start taking right. things off the table, which I think is really good. But then I think for freelancers, too, like selling yourself as not so much like I'm this wizard that I can do all this stuff, but it's it's me. Like you don't, there's no other, you have no other barrier of communication. You get me. I will go to your office and we'll, we'll sit down and figure this out, yeah. which is a service that a lot of agencies won't do because they might have two or three project directors or whatever. And so, yeah, I think it's important to sell yourself as a person. I am.
1: Do you have any other uh, books that come to buy?
0: Oh God, what's the name of the, uh, there's the industry standard book that's always, they come out every year. It's like the pricing annual for commercial artists i think is what it's called
1: yeah is it a weird shape
0: sometimes like, oh. it is it's yeah sometimes it's really long sometimes it's like fat <laughs> and it looks like a phone book yeah. it's huge it's super helpful for like contract stuff like thinking about like contracts but it's the wild west sometimes with freelancers with that kind of stuff but I've got like
1: uh, some live questions and general questions and final few questions yeah i'm curious how do you go about learning something new
0: yeah, that's a good question. That's uh, It's following my curiosity, like uh, 100%. If I've ever opened up After Effects, which I like to mess around with that occasionally, and I feel like I don't get to do it enough, but if I'm in there, it's because I want to be in there. I want to figure something out. I want to animate something. I think just finding the thing in that that you're interested in and what's like the knot that you can untie i think that's the best way of learning new things and again like repetition and doing it that's the only way to for me that i've found is to to learn something
1: yeah absolutely what do you think separates a beginner from a professional
0: yeah i think it's just i think again that's experience Experience. yeah experience and, and i don't necessarily mean like time at the drawing table i think like just time thinking about creating images. I think it's definitely that. I think beginners can make like staggering, breathtaking work, which is totally happens. And, but I think it's just making stuff, experience, crunching on it, thinking about things a million different
1: ways. If you could master three skills instantly, what would they be in mind?
0: Man, master three skills instantly. It would be, it would probably be like portrait painting. Oh, I, I would love yeah. to be able to do that, and probably classical guitar. Also, all these things that can't make me any money. And then I feel like the third one I feel like needs to be one that's like really good, would actually serve, could really serve me well. Automotive repair or something like that, or carpentry. Maybe I yeah. should say carpentry if I it's just could. Trained. Yeah, if I could download it like The Matrix, I'd just be like, boom, oh, okay, good. But then I could build the frames for my masterful oil paintings.
1: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Man, that's be, and then
0: do. just play classical guitar <laughs> oh, okay. in front of Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's totally to do. That's, that's what I
1: do. Those would be amazing. I love it. Yeah. All right. So related to skills, are there any, I like it, let's call them like meta skills, but are there any skills that you would recommend to anyone, no matter what their profession is?
0: No matter what their profession is, because I never really think about other professions. (laughs) I'm so, like, preoccupied with, like, how the hell do I do this one? I don't really know. That's a good question, man. Probably, like, learn how to use your iPhone or (laughs) learn how to use your computer. Maybe. I don't really know. Yeah, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one, because I'm, like, I'm so far up my own butt. I can't tell (laughs) what the heck I got to do. Do you have any life principles that you live by? life principles. Yeah, don't, don't just work hard and try to be nice. Try to be open as you can. Teach people that if somebody has a question, try to answer it. And pass on information as, as best as you can. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah, just be nice, work hard, and tell people why you share your knowledge. Yeah. I think it's the most and important good. thing. Good. Yeah, <laughs> and you're good. Is do you yeah.
1: you've changed your
0: perspective on? Huh, that's interesting. I don't really... Yeah, I think definitely like some things that are like what I value is important in life. Like as far as what I'm doing, I think some of that's like just getting older, realizing I turned 44 this year, which is the oldest I've been so far, which is crazy. <laughs> I feel like I've been older at times, but in being like, oh, if I don't go ahead and do this, if I don't learn this thing, or if I don't do go out on my own and do freelance, I'm never going to know. I'm like getting over. And I know people start new careers in their 50s and it's totally something you can do but it's like that have i been coasting have i just been stagnant and do i need to actually get up and start moving around and so i think that's been one thing that's been a big change also i think like with COVID and stuff like My wife and I, we had just talked about, oh, we need to move or maybe we should move Chattanooga or we should get a different house. And something happened like over the past couple of years where we're like, no, let's just stay here and let's fix our house up or let's take longer trips. Let's work for going away. Let's go visit places and come back and have this place and then eventually get rid of it or whatever. Home base. Yeah, yeah, home base.
1: Very cool. Yeah. If you're open to talking about it, do you have any setbacks or failures going through?
0: Do you got another hour? <laughs> I've got plenty of those. It's funny because like I, I used to really give myself a hard time about certain setbacks in my life, and they weren't actually setbacks as much as I was just, I wouldn't say coasting, but just a, doing a different thing in life. And it's easy. It's very easy for me to see things as setbacks, even when they're obviously not. Like years ago, I didn't go back to school for graphic design until I was about 28 or 30 and that was just because like i was working at this greeting card company and it was this was like 2018 or no 2008 when everything was like crashing and we were making boutique greeting cards and nobody wanted to buy boutique greeting cards because they were losing their job if you can think (laughs) about it but and so the company i was working for was folding and it was like i had worked at this place for six years like most of my 20s just because it was like a nine to five steady paycheck and it would let me go play music and i was at one point wanted to be a full-time like session bass player which oh, is kind of cool. crazy just something i still love to do but again yeah, that was like just part of my life and i used to really beat myself up about it about like why did i stay there so long i should have just finished school when i would started and like duh, right, yeah. and really beat myself up about it and i'm like what am i going to do now <laughs> about it and two is i learned so much during that time of my life that I wouldn't have learned in college, or just experiences and experiences with human beings and people. So yeah, I think like sometimes our setbacks are like, you really gotta look and see what you've learned from it. But I've been super lucky to, I've been laid off from jobs. I've been those kind of things that can be seen as setbacks, but I don't, but they've never really crushed me and they've always opened up to something better. Like always, yeah. Good to hear yeah, you. maybe I'm just lucky. I don't know. <laughs> Knocking on wood. Yeah. Are
1: there any big lessons or values that you've learned from your parents?
0: Oh man, yeah, a lot. My parents were, they did, they're survivors. He, like my dad lied about his age to get a job at Wheeland Foundry when he was a kid. Both of my parents were like, get a job and work and that's what you're going to do. And they come from a line of people who worked at a company for entire life. My mom was a tax appraiser for Katusa County, Ringgold, and my dad was an industrial electrician, and they were like, you work, and then you raise a family, and then you do this. And so I came along as this weird art kid that they didn't really know what to do, but I definitely took from them, like, well, they both have a great sense of humor. They're both not overbearing at all. They're just super great people. Good fun hang. And, but they're hard workers. Like they were like the like when I started college, my dad was like, "You need to be working at least forty hours a week when you start college." And I'm like, "What do you what? That's impossible." And it's and they just didn't know. They didn't know where to send me to art school. They didn't know it. What just wasn't available that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. So it's but it was pretty funny. But I definitely feel like I got their work ethic and some of their like some of their paranoia about not having work. So I definitely got that. Yeah, yeah. But it was good they're great folks
1: are there any songs that you sing when you're alone
0: like in the shower <laughs> in the car? songs that i sing when i'm alone i don't know it really depends it's like a revolving door up there really <laughs> of music yeah i wouldn't say there's a single one
1: Paul beaver all the time so yeah okay. yeah no
0: yeah i don't know i don't really have a shower song sometimes i think i've been re-listening to a depeche mode's violator i just i i Typically we'll do a Dave Gahan or whatever. But yeah, (laughs) love that album. It's so good. I was listening to that band, Cold Cave. Do you know them? I don't know Cold Cave. Yeah, they've got, every time, they're one of those bands and I'm like, man, this band's really good, but Depeche Mode is also really good. They sound similar and then it just, I wind up listening to
1: Violator all the time. Anyway,
0: (laughs) sidetracked. So you
1: mentioned a a project that you were working
0: on. Oh yeah, yeah. You you gonna drill me on this? (laughs) No, yeah, yeah, it super cool. yeah, it was pretty cool. It's like the biggest project that I've been a part of, and, and it's been like a top secret, known amongst all my friends, but yeah, I got tapped by Netflix to join three other artists in making this collection of fan art, and I say that with air quotes because these everybody's like pretty much professional, but, and it was cool. I submitted two designs. I, I submitted a bunch of designs. Two were uh, followed through, And yeah, and they're like releasing it at Target. So it's like exclusive to Target. And they flew me out to LA. I got to feel like all fancy. So I got done, I saw the big Netflix campus, which is insane. It's crazy. And I meet all those, there's a lot of cool people that that are with the company that were on this project. And the other artists are like amazing. I couldn't believe I was there. Like they're all like repped by people. Like they have agencies that rep them. And I'm like, "Ah, hey, hey. (laughs) I, it's just me, but this is cool, super yeah. cool. But I'm so excited to like finally share it. When I've had a couple of cool things like that sort of happen, and you never know. Not as cool as this, not as big as that, but you're like, man, when it releases, it's going to be amazing, and then it just goes up and goes down, and it's just covered over by the next day's Internet. So you never really know, but, but it's been cool, and it's definitely the biggest thing that I've worked on, and I'm moving into to getting more of these kind of like officially licensed Gigs. So I just did a piece for this company is called Sideshow Collectibles, and they're famous for the big Iron Man busts and the oh, superhero cool. like highly detailed action yeah. figures that are like oh well, they're not even action figures they're like sculptures. They did a life size Grogu, yes. which is so adorable, and I'm like I oh, wish y'all just send me that. But I did a piece for uh, Peacemaker, the HBO yeah. show. So I just did something for that. So they're gonna release that. They have a, a print like a fine arts print wing so we're gonna release that soon that's awesome i hope i hope so we'll see that yeah, sure funny. yeah it's amazing yeah. but yeah and then i just sent off a illustration from motley crew for a for a poster yeah so these big gigs have been happening that are like man this is awesome but i'm also like out of my depth here man. i'm just like whoa what do i do but it's been a really cool learning experience you know? is it
1: something that it, i don't want to say it's just your work has been consistent over the years. Yeah. You're just starting to see
0: this. I yeah, I think it's, it definitely feels very organic. I think I've had some. Definitely, the Netflix thing was crazy organic. We saw you on the internet thing, <laughs> when which was amazing. And then, and I've also made friends with like other illustrators that are more advanced than me. There's which are awesome. I the one key thing of advice, I would probably say, maybe you should just edit this out and put it in the very front. Is Find someone in your industry that is more established and ask them questions and befriend them and get to know them because you're going to learn way more than any book is ever going to tell you. You're like, it's, you got to do that. You got to do that. And having those friends too, they can refer you to other clients so they can help you out. And so that that's been the big help too, but yeah. And I think keeping consistent work is the best I don't mean post all the time but keep your work you know consistent and push the boundaries of it keep it consistent and one thing I've noticed or that I've started doing in Instagram basically just to feed the grid like the algorithm must be fed if you you'll lose your ranking but you know what I've I repost all the time like I will repost something that did well and it also works like logically speaking that if you gain 100 followers they haven't seen yeah. earlier stuff they haven't crawled back keeping it it's like a bonsai tree you have to just prune it and keep it going. yeah yeah. yeah so i think that helps
1: yeah. The bonsai yeah
0: yeah tree. exactly and trimming it archiving old posts and stuff <laughs> like that so yeah
1: the final three questions one's so kind of a simpler one but who would you recommend that i Reach
0: out and interview next. Oh, dang. That's a good question. I wish I had thought about that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. There's, golly, man. Oh, um, my mind is like totally blank. blank. I'll email you and then you can say, this is who Travis said that I should reach (laughs) out to. But yeah, I I think Matt Dutton would be a great person to talk to. Do you know Matt Dutton? he's a he is a sculptor an artist oh, in town nice. he's, he makes some crazy stuff he makes really? Some really crazy stuff he worked for a while up at Rock City like repairing gnomes <laughs> and it's, but he's it's a super cool guy <laughs> makes some really wild stuff cool yeah. yeah I'll
1: have to check him out yeah and the last two they're related That's what's one question you would recommend someone to take away and ask themselves and then uh, like, what's one action you would want to recommend someone listening to take away act on step or like a
0: challenge for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely, I keep going back to this curiosity thing, but I think it's like asking yourself, what do you like about your work? And when you see something, and it sounds so basic to say, but when you see something, a painting or you hear a song, ask yourself, what do you like about it? And then when you get that answer, ask yourself again, what you like about that thing and why, and try to get down to like the nitty-gritty of your interest. And I think that's like really when it shoots off into some other direction mm-hmm. because then you start to make correlations between that thing that you're hyper-interested in or curious about and other things, and suddenly you're, you can leapfrog different to different things. Yeah. I love
1: that. That's good. Any action that you can recommend?
0: Or- I think if you're a photographer... I think you should go take a bunch of photos. I think if you're a musician, you should write a bunch of songs. If you're an artist, you need to draw a bunch. You need to sit your ass down and get busy. <laughs> if you're wanting to do something, I've known so many people over the years that were like, I'm gonna do, I've got this great idea. I know this, I know I got this thing, I got the And They don't follow through because they don't sit down and do the hard thing of breaking all the dishes. and wasting all the paper and before you get to the good stuff so yeah 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 that's great
1: yeah travis thank you so much yeah
0: no problem this is super fun super fun yeah awesome
1: Well, well well fancy seeing you here that marks another end to an episode of the renaissance life podcast thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did, share it with some friends. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to go to renaissancelifecom slash newsletters and sign up for some of my free newsletters to stay up to date and all the latest and greatest. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Until we meet again. Table beat of the week. Perfect.
0: There we go. There we go. A perididdle. <laughs> oh man! Sick beats. Sick beats, bro. Bro.